This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, December 10th, 2023. Red Carpet Christmas, the paparazzi. Good morning, Connection Church. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. It's good to see you, all of you. I just want to say that that song, Joyful, Joyful, that we, you know, Joy to the World and then Joyful, Joyful, we're going to be doing that on Christmas Eve. Our own Paul Donovan will be Brandon Heath. He's going to do a great job. And um, listen to it on the radio and be ready to join and proclaim joy to the world on Christmas Eve. Mm. But for now, good morning, Connection Church. Boy, it is good to be here. We've been gone for, what, like eight days or something. You know, it's always good to be home. Amen? It's good to be here with you all today as we prepare for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here in the sanctuary, there, wherever you are, living room, in your car, wherever you might be. It's good to be here. Last weekend, we started with a red carpet Christmas talking about the RSVP, Responde Si Vous Play. Shout out to Jeremy Hall. Amen? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. What a great job. We also want to thank Barb Auer for uh, uh, sharing communion with y'all. What a blessing to be able to go. I know things are going to be handled very well. Hard to believe that was his first time preaching, wasn't it? Very hard to believe. Yeah. So this morning, we're going to continue with Red Carpet Christmas. Today, we're going to talk about the paparazzi. So my name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just want to give a shout out. Everybody look over this way to our newest camera member, our newest tech team member. That is Maverick Bates. He is eight years old and he is now on our tech team. Yeah. So it just goes to show that there's places for people to serve. And we had a vacancy and he just jumped right in. So, hey, thank you, buddy. Great job, Barry. Let's get him on the schedule. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for this morning to be able to gather here and online, to be able to encourage one another, to be able to reach out a hand or share a hug or a conversation. It's about being together, about being the family of God called Connection. And more than that, it's about us corporately together glorifying your holy name. And so we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for meeting us right where we are. We give this time to you in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said... Amen. Amen. So paparazzi, say that word, paparazzi. paparazzi. Isn't that a fun word, paparazzi? You know, words just don't have, they have a, all, all words have a story, you know, they have a history, they have a beginning and, and, a, and a progression. The word paparazzi is only about 60 years old. It, it came from the surname, the last name of a character, a photographer in a movie, La Dolce Vita, The Sweet Life back in 1960. Anybody here see The Sweet Life? I didn't because I was only six years old at the time. You saw it. Was it a good movie? I had to study it in college. So there you go. Oh. There you go. So this, this character was a photographer and that was his last name. And it came to be a word then 
Um, uh, so what's the definition? Well, according to Wikipedia, and you got to rely, you got to count on that. I mean, they never tell you a falsehood. Paparazzi are independent photographers who take pictures of high-profile people like actors, musicians, athletes, politicians, other celebrities. You know, there are important public uh, functions like movie premieres, important sporting events. Hey, I just thought of a time when we were the paparazzi. There you go. So I was 30 years old, and Jackson Brown, anybody ever heard of Jackson Brown? Dr. Miles, have seen. Anyway, I was like a huge groupie of Jackson Brown. So we went you to. You didn't have a camera, though. Well, but <laughs> I had my eyes. And so we went to Meriwether Post Pavilion, and he played um, that one of his, al what was the album? Uh, Running on Empty Running, was where that yeah. was recorded. Running on Empty stayed, I looked for him. We went all over the town, finally figured out what hotel he was gonna be in. Waited till three in the morning, his bus pulls up. He stands out and I'm like, ah, Jackson Brown. And he's like, oh, this is weird I think that's a little. Morning. That's a little different than paparazzi. That's a, well, I was that screaming him. fan. I, they're, yeah. they're different there, I don't hey. know. I don't anyway. Know. Sporting events, uh, they see them on the red carpet, you know, for like the Oscars and things like that. But all, more often, they're, they're hanging out kind of secretly to catch photos of the subject as they're doing like their private life. You ever see those pictures of these Hollywood celebrities and they don't have their makeup on, their hairs are and they're not, they're like, they look like us going to the store, you know? Anyway, you know, it's like when, when Carrie and I were dating, there were photographers all over the place just shooting pictures. It was crazy. Not. When we opened CCC, there was just photographers ever. Not. No, just kidding. Paparazzi tend to make their living by selling those photos to media outlets that focus on tabloid journalism. Ever heard that the word? Tabloid journalism, sensationalism, gossip magazines. There, that's what they, uh, usually that's where you find those pictures where they end up. Well, I am not selling the T-shirt that Jackson Brown signed while well, I was either. wearing it. No, It's so. probably never been washed. Yeah. So why are we talking about paparazzi? Why are we talking about Jackson Brown? That, yeah, yeah, I know. That's a good question. Just a good memory. <laughs> so if Jesus were living today, the paparazzi would be all over this. You see, every single move, every single step, there would be snap, snap, snap. They would have a field day. How about the time when Jesus turned over the tables in the temple where, you know, he was so angry at the money changers because they were uh, selling overpriced sacrificial doves. Can you imagine what the paparazzi would have been doing, uh, taking pictures and then posting them to the highest bidder, selling them? Or how about when the church, the officials, brought the woman caught in adultery into the center of town. And then Jesus deals with that whole situation. Can you imagine the sensationalism around that? Or how about this one? The widow of Nain. She had lost her beloved son, and there's the funeral going through town, and Jesus brings the widow of Nain's son back to life. That would have been big stuff. 
for the paparazzi. The Garden of Gethsemane, this would have been really an invasion where Jesus is praying and then he's arrested and taken to the high court. If it were today, there would have been paparazzi all around him. He would have been followed 24-7, 365. You know, but all that stuff Carrie's talking about happened later in Jesus' life. After Jesus became a kind of a local celebrity, after the crowds of people were following him wherever he went. What we're talking about now, though, is this time of year, we're talking about the, the beginning, Jesus' birth, and everything leading up to it. Would that have been a story the paparazzi would have covered? I mean, there would have been some important photos. A photo of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. That, that'd be a pretty good pick, don't you think? Or, or Jesus coming out of a dream where he's been visited by an angel telling him what was going to happen. Uh, can you imagine the looks on their faces when they go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, about an 80-mile journey, and, 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 and they didn't have guaranteed late arrival? <coughs> and, and, and they said, sorry, no, you know, the no vacancy signs blinking, and I can imagine the look on Mary's face when she looked at that and said, now what? Now what? Or, or, or how about giving birth in a stable? How many of us have ever done that or even dreamed of doing that? Child <clears throat> being laid in a, in a feed trough. That's what a manger is, a feed trough, where the animals w would eat their whatever they eat. <laughs> that picture would be a lot worth a lot of money now, don't you think? Be, or, or how about a shot of the shepherds out there in the field? The heavenly host filling the sky <laughs> and, and, and praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That, that would be, I'll bet you a lot of tabloid would pick up that shot. You know, that, that would be a good shot. That would be worth a fortune. But as we said, there was no paparazzi in fact, photography didn't even happen until hundreds of years after the birth of Christ. It happened, it started in China, actually. There were no photos, no nothing, but actually, there was something so much better. So much better. Because rather than these things about looking back at what had happened, there was a lot that we had that they had about looking forward, about the hope, about the expectation of what was to come. They had Old Testament prophecy. Prophecy, that's an interesting word, prophecy. Anybody heard, heard the word prophecy? Let's say it together, prophecy. Now, we're not talking about fortune telling. Sometimes we talk about prophecy, people think you're talking about fortune telling. We're not talking about crystal gazing. We're not forecasting, not pred uh, prediction, prognosis, or prognostication, none of those things. We're talking about biblical prophecy. Biblical prophecy is where God reveals things to come through a person, through a prophet, who then tells them, shares them with everybody. Most times, most of the time, it wasn't good stuff, but in this case, it was great stuff. 
Most of the time, you, you really didn't want to be that prophet because people didn't really like you because you were bringing them bad news. But in this case, it's absolutely good news, great news that's being shared. So, so then rather than paparazzi and pictures of what already happened that first Christmas, God reveals through his prophets the birth that's coming in the future, sometimes hundreds of years in advance. The prophet Isaiah was given Christmas prophecies to share. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is, this is a well-known scripture to those of us who have been in church for a while. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. It means God with us. We just sang God with us. Mm. So the prophet Isaiah lived mid-8th century B.C., before Christ. So that's prophecy is, uh, the prophetic word is over 700 years before it came to pass in the person of Jesus. Over 700 years. Think about that a minute. 700 years. If we had a prophecy coming true today, 700 years means it would have been prophesied like in 1300 A.D., Think about that one. Here's the thing, though. For God, God's eternal, always was, is, always will be. No beginning, no end, just always was, which is kind of blow your mind. For, for God, time is a whole different construct than for us. It really doesn't have a whole lot of meaning to God. Like we read in 2 Peter 3, 8, here's what we read. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Did you catch that? Not wanting anyone to perish. But God wants everyone to come to repentance. All in God's time. Don't you sometimes like not want to hear that phrase? All in God's time. Whether it's a thousand years or a day, 700 <clears throat> years here on earth for, for us is a long time, but for God it's just a blink, a blink of an eye. Back before the earth was formed, God knew. God knew. God knew that he would be sending his son Jesus, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, at the beginning of time, before the beginning of time. And he used Isaiah to share this. He used Isaiah to share that Jesus was coming, the second person of the Trinity. We preached on this a couple weeks ago. God the Father, Jesus Christ, his Son, the Holy Spirit. He knew that the Word, that's Jesus, the word would take on flesh and live among us. And it all happened exactly as it was said 700 years before. 
I find it amazing, the prophet Isaiah giving so many details. This just wasn't kind of a broad maybe that you could interpret one way or another. I mean, there are details here. A virgin would give birth to a son, the son, not a son, the son. And they even named him Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That means the anointed one. He was coming. You know, it's interesting. The, the writer of the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, he was a follower of Jesus. He was a disciple. And in writing that book, that first book of the New Testament, he reached back to this Old Testament prophecy. This is what he writes. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, quietly divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And now he looks back. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Matthew, you know, he, he knew the Scriptures. He knew the Old Testament Scriptures. He was familiar with this passage that talks about the conception and giving birth to a child, the virgin uh, uh, conceiving and giving birth to a child who would be called Emmanuel. All this after a wait. Can you imagine waiting 700 years? waiting 700 years for this to come to pass. So Isaiah 7 is where Isaiah shares about this happening, that the virgin will give birth. In chapter 8 of Isaiah, things really take a turn. Because in chapter 8, we hear of the darkness that the people were in. We hear about the desolation that the people were experiencing. We hear about gloom. Some of us, a lot of us, have experienced darkness. Some of us might be in this now. And Isaiah took time to share what was going on because he gives this picture where there's, there's no dawn. It's almost like there is no hope. But then we get to chapter 9. And chapter 9, everything flips. As we read the scripture in chapter 9, listen. For if you were in this dark place or if you are in this dark place, listen to the hope that Isaiah shares in the very next chapter. He writes, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he, God, will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We know who that is. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. Amen. Do you hear how the, the gloom is gone? <laughs> that there's hope. Those walking in darkness have seen a great light, and his name is Jesus. Where would we be without him? I don't understand how people cannot believe what's in here when it was foretold 700 years before. How do you deny that? How do you contradict that? It all came true and in detail. For unto us a child is born everlasting Father, mighty God, Prince of Peace, justice and righteousness will rule forever and ever. That's the kingdom of God. Right now, we're running short of that. But in God's kingdom, that's what it looks like, and that's what we hope for, and that's what we look to. We don't have to get caught up in the darkness and gloom. We've, we know the end of the story, which is actually the beginning of new life. New life is what we heard in Isaiah chapter 9. And if you've been in church for a long time, this is not new stuff. But we need to remember, it's such a good reminder, 700 years before it happened. Wow. God used his mouthpiece, Isaiah, to share in detail what would happen. Hmm. And then the prophet Micah tells us where this child will be born. And that's pretty good. It's pretty interesting since the child isn't born where his parents reside. He's not born where they live and work and do business. <laughs> but in the town of his ancestral family, his his line, his lineage, because some Roman emperor called for a census that pulled them 80 miles away from where they were living to register, and that's where he's born. Isn't that the wildest thing? <laughs> the hometown of David. Wow. Here's what God shares with us through the prophet Micah, Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, that's another name for Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah. See, God's not worried about size and power, is he? 
In fact, I think it's purposeful. It's the small one. It's the small clan. Small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over where? Israel. In other words, over, over it all. Whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So we have two prophets. We have Isaiah and we have Micah. They were living during the same time, and God used both of them to bring the news, the good news, the news of uh, giving people hope about what was to come. And it amazes me the way that God went to such great lengths in his pre-planning to have Mary and Joseph in one place, and then the government, you know, officials decided something, and they have to go all the way to Bethlehem, just like the Bible said, where Jesus would be born. 700 years in advance, we get the details on this. Hmm. And so that brings us kind of full circle back to the paparazzi. <laughs> in Bethlehem, in a stable, no room in the inn. You know, even if there had been paparazzi around 2,000 years ago, chances are they would have been nowhere near that birthplace of Jesus. There wasn't any red carpet, from what I read and understand, around that stable. <laughs> it was not a red carpet area. <laughs> Anything but. You know, the most important event in human history took place away from the crowds, away from the fanfare, away from the spotlight. The most important, you know, this is the event that separates our, our, our time frame, doesn't it? You know, we use B.C., A.D., A.D., Annos Domini, in the year of the Lord since the birth of Jesus. And what do we use now? Common Era, C.E., and B.C.E., before Common because they don't want to talk about Jesus. But isn't it interesting that it's the same point of delineation that separates the two things? I mean, you can change the name, just like Happy Holidays, but we all know what the source is, and that's Jesus Christ. Whether it's the dividing point of human history, whether it's the reason for celebrating with all we've got at this time of the year, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. The guests, well, there weren't any athletes or entertainers or politicians there, were there? It's a pretty small crowd. First, it was just Mary and Joseph and a couple, some of the barnyard residents there. And then the um, shepherds joined them after a celestial invitation. And you know, the shepherds were like the low life of society. They were anything but what the, prophet, what the paparazzi would be shooting pictures of. Lowly shepherds. And then wise men, of course, some accounts, they think the wise men may have been up to two years later that they showed up. So chances are they weren't even there in the stable, if they're anybody important. You know, even if the paparazzi had been around, uh, I mean, if they existed, if there was such a thing, it's highly, highly suspect that they would even been there. 
It's too bad. Because as we said, this one event changed human history. It, it changed everything. It's how we calculate the years for the one event. The one event that brings hope to the hopeless. This is the one event that brings joy to the joyless. This is one event that brings life to the lifeless. This is the one event that brings salvation to you and me. The one event in all human history, the one event that it gives us the opportunity for salvation. This one event was so important that God had prophets 700 years telling them to get ready. Can you imagine preparing for 700? We have trouble preparing a month before. Preparing 700 years, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting and expecting and hoping and waiting and hoping and expecting and waiting and waiting a little more. And after all that waiting, God delivered the good news in the form of a baby in a manger in a stable. Isn't that just incredible? The good news of the world arrived. And his name was Jesus. Jesus. God saves. That's what that means. Jesus the good news. Are you ready for the good news? Are you ready? Do you believe the good news is here? Let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's pray. Our most holy God, uh, wow, um, This is almost over. This is overwhelming. Not a lot of cameras, not a lot of publicity. It's a quiet little manger in a stable. And yet the Savior of the world, right there, in a baby. Kind of looked like us. Walked like us, talked like us. And yet he was fully you. Lord, um, I just pray that each of us this uh, holiday season can, can remember that baby in the manger and what that means. Because of that baby, everything changed. Because of that baby, we have possibility. We have new life. We have light in the world. The light overcomes the darkness. When Jesus comes, the light is here. Please help us to ever be focused on the light, the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray all those gathered said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.